I was having a breakfast, one of our family's best breakfasts ever at the Denver Biscuit Company. It was amazing. We were out of town. We were enjoying ourselves. We had some leftovers. Since we were traveling with our two dogs, we decided to, to save some of the bacon and sausage and biscuits. And we got them in these little containers. And we got in the parking lot and we, we took the dogs out of the vehicle. In the middle of the parking lot, we just let them eat. And then we got back into the vehicle and we took off for the mountains. And about 30 minutes into our journey, my daughter, Emma, in the back seat said, hey, Dad, can you give me Chewy? Chewy is our eight-pound snoodle. His real name is Chewbacca, but she, she wanted to hold them. And, and I was, normally Chewy's on my lap when I drive, and he wasn't. I just assumed someone else was holding him, and someone else was assuming someone else was holding him. And we all assumed that they brought Chewy in the vehicle from our last stop in a city that we didn't know very well. And we had that, oh no moment. We left part of our family behind. Little Chewy is left in the parking lot at the Denver Biscuit Company. And, and there was this feeling of remorse and then it turned into a little bit of fear. And a couple of the kids started panicking a bit, like, we gotta go back for it, Dad. We gotta go get Chewy. And, uh, we just collectively felt like, as a family, we just suck. I mean, it was like, no, there's no other way you could say it. It's like, we were negligent, we were terrible. Left little Chewy behind. And, and so we turned the vehicle around and took off back to Denver. And, and uh, we began to pray. First, God, forgive us for being the worst family ever. And then second, Lord, protect Chewy. And third, let there be a reunion. And so we, we had plenty of time to formulate a plan, right? When we got to the spot, we would look for him. We began to call shelters and dog pounds, and we called the security. We, could, we did everything before we got there. And then when we, we, we drove into the parking lot, we had great hope that he would be around. But it had already been like an hour, and, and, and Chewie was nowhere to be found, so we we spread out. Everybody went on foot and there was a local park. I went into that park. I began to ask people, hey, have you seen this little eight pound brown dog? He goes by Chewy and no one saw him. I said, well, I'm not a local here. What would you do? And they, they sent me to this Facebook page that we could post a picture and, and get the news out about where Chewy is and, and our contact information. And, and we spread out all over the parking lot. And, and finally, my oldest daughter, Hannah Grace, talked to someone with security and they looked at a video camera and saw someone take our dog and put it in a car in the area where we were parked. And around that same time, my son heard the faint bark of a dog that sounded like Chewy. And so we went to that vehicle and there inside the vehicle was Chewy. And the person who put him in there, there was like a five inch gap in the window. So I reached in and I grabbed our little dog out and I raised him up and we all celebrated and the reunion was complete and we didn't have to have the rest of our vacation in guilt and shame. And it was all good and wonderful. And we all had smiles on our face and we were grateful that our, that our family was whole again and and as, as I drove out towards the mountains, I had two thoughts. I, I really sensed that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. You know, how many of you have ever had moments where there were teachable moments, and even in your failure moments, the Lord will speak to you? And so this is what I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me. First, John, do you value, do you really value a lost soul like you value your dog? And second, 
Do you have the same urgency to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus, like you spread the news of your dog? It was a moment. It was a gut check that I had. But I, but I wonder if I could ask that question to you. Do you have the same urgency? Do you have the same love for the Lord that you'd want to tell other people about Jesus and that you care about others so much that you, be, you care about their future that you want to share the good news of Jesus. You'd want to share your story with others. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 26. Man, I'm so glad that you're here. It's great to see you again. It's good for our family to be home, to be with you. There is really no place like home and we're grateful to worship the Lord together. If you've joined us online, we're thankful. We're grateful for you to be with us as well. We're on this journey through the book of Acts and we've discovered the, the story of Paul. I mean, he, he was no good. And, and God took the world's biggest church persecutor and transformed him into the world's most effective church planter because of the power of God, the gospel of Jesus. And because of the love of the Lord, it compelled him to share the gospel from the smallest to the greatest, the least influential to those who were influential. And no matter where he went, he would, he would tell people about Jesus. And he was unafraid. There was prophetic warnings for him not to go into cities like Jerusalem or Rome, but he went anyway because he knew he would have an audience. And this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 26. He had been arrested, he had been beaten, and now he's in jail, and he's, he's sharing his story in front of governors and now in front of King Agrippa. So it says, verse 1, Acts chapter 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I'm accused by the Jews. It's like, He's on trial here. I mean, his life is at stake. He's been persecuted. He's, he's spending his, his nights in, in prison, but yet there's a joy because he sees this as an opportunity to spread the good news of Jesus. Everybody else would have said, man, that's a bad scenario. That's bad news. He's looking at this as an opportunity for good news, and it's brought great joy to his heart. Verse three, it says, especially because you are an expert in all the customs and questions which we which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by our God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raised the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. 
While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a what? A witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which, you, which I will reveal to you. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles to whom I now sent to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do the works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, doing what? Witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and sacred word. It is a gift to us. Father, I pray that we would not be just listeners of your word, that, you would be, that we would be doers of your word, not in our own efforts or strength, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would be inspired to proclaim your good news, that we would speak boldly about the name of Jesus, that we would be willing to share our stories for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Now, we don't know the tone or the passion that Paul had when he shared his testimony often, but we do have the content, don't we? And it is here simply Logically and clearly, Paul would testify, he would share his story about what his life was like before Jesus, what his encounter with Christ was like, and how his life was changed as a result of that encounter with Jesus. This is a biblical model for me and you. We are commanded to proclaim the good news of Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, you are also his witness. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, but you will receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Are you going to be obedient? Do you love Jesus enough that you would obey him, that you would see sharing the good news of Jesus as, as an obedient service, servant, but also it's your great privilege and a great joy to share your story with others? No matter how spectacular or how ordinary you think your story is, the Lord will anoint it and use it for his glory. It will please him when you share your story with others. We have opportunities that we can make happen for ourselves, but the word of God also says, hey, you need to be ready in season and out, ready to share the hope that you believe in. It says in 1 Peter 3, verse 15 and 16, it exhorts us, 
but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. How often? Always. Yet do it, this is how we're supposed to do it, with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, not everybody who you're gonna share your story in the gospel of Jesus with is going to receive it. But hey, let's remember, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the Lord. It kind of takes some of the pressure off. That it's not our responsibility to save, that if we're just obedient, the Lord will use his gospel, there's enough power in it that he's the one who does the saving. Praise God for that, amen? And so we can look forward to with great confidence and willingness. I think many of you are willing to share your, the gospel of Jesus. You'd be willing to share your story if you just knew how. If you knew how much it would please the heart of God. I want you to be empowered. I want to show you very practical today, a very practical way that you can share your story with others. How many of you, if you knew it, you would have confidence you'd be willing to do it? Well, let's get ready to do it. I believe that the Lord really, it's a desire of his heart for the gospel to be a movement rather than just a sermon. Let's be honest, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like the ministry in this physical church building and physical pulpit is minimalized. But can you imagine what would it be like if his service, we as a church family moved outside of these four walls and we did the ministry, we did the proclamation, we did the witnessing of our story. Like the Lord will empower you. He wants you. It's a desire of his heart. What if during this season that we're in right now, during this pandemic, that more souls could be harvested to the kingdom of God in homes, in gatherings, on public school campuses, at the workplace, in your neighborhood, more than public air, open air sermons and sermons in this building? I believe that it's possible. I believe that it, that's the Lord's intention for us as a church. Now we just need to be obedient. We need to be compelled by the love of God. And so let's look at the word, the name, the word story, okay? It's gonna be an acronym. Every letter is gonna have significance to help you share your story with others. S in story stands for script your story. In other words, write it out. Not write it out so you can be ready to read it or say it verbatim every single time. But when you prayerfully say, God, help me write out my story in a way that would glorify you as a tool that you can use, that people can understand who you're like and you can be glorified. That should be the desire, the motive of your heart. And when you write it out, you, you think about it. You think about personal moments and details that you may forget or if you're just not ready and you're prepared. But if it's important, you're gonna write it out and say, God, help me share the story my story, my eyewitness account of what you've done in my life. And when you share your story with others, here's the vision that you need to have. People are gonna understand a little bit more what God is like. He's gonna understand, they're gonna understand his character of love and mercy, but also holiness and righteousness. And they can possibly have hope that what God did in your life and how he changed your life, he can change theirs. And let's be honest, we are in a world where everywhere we turn, the news, the social media, we are overwhelmed as a society with bad news, aren't we? It's time that we as a church share some light in the middle of the darkness. And what greater light than Jesus Christ? What greater news than the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? And we can do that by sharing your stories. So S, script your story. T is for time. 
I recommend a baseline time of no more than three to five minutes in sharing your story. Why? Because it's easy to implement or integrate your story into a, just a normal conversation. If it goes much longer than that, it's like a monologue or a sermon. And, and, and so you need to be ready. Sometimes the story needs to be shorter. You might not have time, much time. You might be with a stranger. But most of the time, your story can be shared in the context of a friendship. Three to five minutes is, is a good recommended allotment of time. O is for order. It's for order. There's an order in your story. And where are we going to get that order from? The Word of God. The Apostle Paul, again, there was three parts. His life before Christ, how he had an encounter with Jesus, and then what was his life like after Christ? And so it's the same way with you. Remember what your life was like before you came to know Jesus. And then how did you hear about Jesus? What was it like when you surrendered your life to him? And that's when you share the gospel. And then how has your life changed? So let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into each of those parts. First, your life before Christ. Remember, what was your life like then? What, what did your, if your life did not revolve around Jesus, then who did it or what did it revolve around? Did you have a, was there pride? Did you have control issues? Was there a stronghold? Were you a slave to sin? Was there, was did you have a lack of purpose, a lack of security? Were you lonely? Were, were those, those, those deep needs and desires in your life that were of the flesh? And then how did you try to fix things? How did you try to fill the God-shaped void in your life? Was it through money? Was it through accumulating stuff? Was it through relationships? Was it through lust or pornography or a controlled substance? What was it that you tried to maybe numb the pain or you tried to, to fix things on your own? What did you think that would, would bring you happiness? And what did you pursue? Think about those things. Not to give glory, or, but, but it was very real. And, and don't be afraid of sharing it. You know, people will celebrate your successes, but they'll relate to you and your weakness. And this is a way that you can give glory to God for redeeming your life. So be honest. Paul was. I mean, he, he shared how he forced Christians to blaspheme. He put them to death. He, he forced them out of their homes to other cities. He wasn't proud of that, but it was the reality of what he did. And so what was your life like before Christ? And then second, how did you come to know Jesus? Was there someone who invited you to church? Who was it that shared the gospel of Jesus when you began to understand? And this is your moment. It's very important that you get this. This is your moment to share the gospel, to talk about Jesus. Don't make you the center or the hero of the story. Make Jesus the hero. Make him the center. Share the gospel that we have all come up short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, right? And as a result of the sin, the consequence to our sin is that we should have been punished. We should have received the wrath of God. We should have been separated from God. But because of his great love for us, he sent Jesus to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, to raise from the dead, to forgive us of our sins. And when we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we confess him as the son of the living God and repent of our sin, turn from God, he changes our life, doesn't he? He makes us into a new creation. We're not the same. We become a son or a daughter and you get to share that with passion. And then how has your life changed? How did he change your values? How did he change your relationships? How did he change your attitude? That you're no longer living for yourself, that your life revolves around Jesus. He's your Lord and it's changed every area of your life. And you share that. 
and share about your hope and eternity that what we hear on earth is just temporal. It's just a, a vapor. It's just a moment compared to all eternity. And our hope is that we would spend eternity in heaven forever. And when you share your story, as you write out your story, have a vision that when I share this story, always ask for a response. Maybe ask them what their faith tradition or what their story is. But when you share your story and share the gospel, ask for a response. Never forget to set the hook. A couple of months ago, I was with our executive pastors at Tapatio Springs, and we were fishing. And I had a a worm, an artificial worm on the hook. And man, we had caught a few bass and they were smaller, but this was right at sunset and I cast, man, I had a, a huge fish. I mean, my whole line went down and I held it while I was down and I started reeling it. And as I got that reeled it just maybe three or four revolutions, it, it, it got off. You know why? I failed to set the hook I fell, I'll never forget, and I know better, but I got so excited and I lost this big fish because I failed to set the hook. And I wonder how many times we failed to set the hook. There's an opportunity there. The Holy Spirit is convicting a heart. He, they're being inspired by your story. Let's be obedient and take that step of faith. All it takes is a little bit of courage just to say, would you be willing to surrender your life to Jesus? Would you put your faith in Christ? The next step after sharing your story shouldn't necessarily be, would you like to come to church with me? Would you like to come to small group? It should be, would you be willing to surrender your life to Jesus as well? You can be a soul winner. You are a witness. This isn't a responsibility that's delegated to a, a pastor or a small group leader. You are the one to be winning souls. He who wins souls is wise. And may our church family be soul winners for the kingdom of God. May we experience greater joy because we're seeing a great harvest and that's only gonna happen when we together, there's a culture here that we are looking for opportunities to glorify God by presenting the gospel of Jesus and sharing our stories with others. So first, scripture story, write it out. Second, be mindful of the time, three to five minutes. Third, there's an order, a beginning, middle, and an end, right? And then R stands for rehearse. Practice, 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 all right? It's not gonna come naturally at first. After you write it out, begin to just share it out loud. Do it by yourself in front of a mirror, seriously. Do it over and over. Do it in front of people who will encourage you your friends, a family member, a spouse, a parent, a child, your dog, you know, anybody who will listen to you. Now, if you wanna know, honestly, if you wanna know what it feels like to be rejected or persecuted, share your story in front of a cat. <laughs> a kid, but, not really, but share your story, share your story, and then share your story as you're more comfortable with it with someone who doesn't know the Lord. That's the true purpose. We can be inspired by our stories, but really if we just keep our light in the light, what good is that? We must bring the light in dark places by sharing our story and the good news of Jesus. So after rehearsing, why stands for a word. I wrote this in because I remembered a word that my kids used to use a lot when we were willing to um, make a decision of, of taking a risk and, and they would say YOLO. Remember that word? What does that mean? You only live once, right? Like, wouldn't it be a tragedy if we all went to heaven and, 
And we were asked to give an account. Did we, did we share the good news of Jesus? Did you share your story? And when we had regrets because we didn't open up our mouths, we didn't share our stories with others. Let's go into heaven knowing that we seized opportunities. I think every morning we should wake up and say, God, thank you for a new day. I, I thank you for this gift that you've given us. And I, and I look forward to abiding in you and, and putting your words and practice in my day. And we pray and all these things are good. But what if we said, Lord, Help me to be ready to share this, my story with someone today. Help me to, to, to name drop you today in a conversation at the grocery store line. Help me to, to look to make a friend to, to share my story with. We should all have that eagerness, that confidence, that expectation, that faith, that urgency to share our stories with others. Now here's some tips, all right? Just some from tips from a friend, from me to you, in, in sharing your story. First, before you write it, before you share your story, always pray. When you pray, you're gonna be more dependent upon the Lord. I can't tell you how many times where I knew I had an opportunity to share my story and I was really nervous about it. I didn't have much of a friendship, but I knew it was about to happen. The Holy Spirit prompted me and I would excuse myself to the bathroom and I would shut the stall and I would get on my knees and beg God to anoint his message and what happens when you do that, there's a humility, there's a heart, there's an authenticity, there's an honesty that can only happen when you're walking in the spirit of Christ more than your flesh. You're not doing it out of sense of duty or because someone asked you to do it. You're doing it because you see the great privilege. You're participating in the kingdom of God advancing and you are called to be his witness. And there's no greater privilege than witnessing about who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. And so look for that opportunity. Be passionate. Let it come from your heart. Be authentic. Remember, people will celebrate your successes, but they will relate to your weaknesses. Say, if, man, if God can save you and set you free and redeem you from that divorce, that stronghold, that bitterness, and man, there's hope for me. There's hope for me. People are longing for good news. They're longing for their lives. That The Lord has sent his son Jesus for this purpose. I would look for opportunities as you write your story. There are opportunities for you to include some humor. It has a way of, of, of really loosening up the tension, doesn't it? And making it real. But look for opportunities. I would encourage you, too, to be in the, your, with your story, again, in the context of a friendship, is very, very important. But before you just share your story, I would, I would look for opportunities to go, hey, would you just share your story with me. I don't know all the details of your story. And they might go, what part of my story? You just say, hey, wherever, whatever you want to share. And they may share their childhood or share whatever. You just be a good listener because you will earn the right to share your story. Maybe ask about their faith tradition. Who is Jesus to them? And then you share your story. Say, hey, would you be willing to listen just for a few minutes about the most important thing in my life and, and part of my story? And then you share it. You're prepared, you've practiced it, you're ready, and you're willing to share your story with others. And one of the things that I've loved during, uh, seeing during this pandemic is that the kingdom of God has not stopped advancing. We started the year with people getting saved every Sunday. The first, like, 15, 20 Sundays, people were getting baptized. Remember those days? Like it was happening. But we said, God, don't let this limit your ministry. And I really believe this is a window that God's preparing us, giving us an opportunity. But we're seeing people get saved. We're seeing people get baptized in water. And it's been incredible as we celebrate stories because it inspires us to share our stories with others. 